0: Hey there, my name is Sarah Bowling, and I'm so excited that you're listening to my podcast. I'm praying that God speaks to you through this podcast. Your heart is encouraged and overflowing with love. Thank you so much for listening. Love to have you subscribe and of course, share this with your friends. I know God has really great things for you in this time together. Thanks so much. Hey, hey, thank you so much for watching, listening. Of course, I'd love to have you subscribe. (laughs) That's obvious because... This, this channel has phenomenal content to help you and connect you with God in meaningful and very uh, relevant ways in your life. So we're continuing our series on walking on water. That's, that's the theme, the series that we're talking about. And it's grounded in Matthew 14, verses 22 to 33. And last week we talked about the context leading into this water walking thing. So Jesus had fed 5,000 people plus men and women or plus men, uh, women and children. Jesus had dismissed his disciples to go into a boat and cross the Sea of Galilee. Jesus went up on the mountainside to pray by himself. So that's the kind of the background of the, the water walking. But here today in this episode, I want us to look a little bit at this whole water walking thing <clears throat> because I think it's very helpful for you and me when we consider what's happening in this water walking experience. Um, In in these verses, we're gonna look at verses 25 through 29 today. These verses tell us about the disciples. The disciples were in the boat and it was nighttime and there is a storm. So that's the environment that they're in. And I bring this to your attention because I think that there might be some struggles in your life that feel like it's nighttime might be a stormy season in your life. Maybe you're struggling with some family dynamics. Maybe you've had some bad news from work. Maybe you're looking for a job and you just haven't been able to find a job. Maybe you're struggling with some um, romantic stuff. you're like, yeah, this isn't working out, or yeah, I'm really hurt. He broke up, she broke you know, There's all kinds of storms that we go through. Some of them are health storms. And, and we go through stormy times in our life. And this is what the disciples are in. They're in a storm, and it's nighttime. Now, interestingly enough, when you think about these disciples, and I wanna just frame this for you, this is a group of 12 guys, and they have interesting backgrounds and professions. About four to six of them are fishermen. We know that, that's their job, their profession. So the Sea of Galilee is their natural office, right? That's where they go to work, is to catch fish. So they're very familiar and and, and a, accomplished, if you will, um, comfortable on the Sea of Galilee and nighttime. That's when they normally fish. So being in a storm at night on the Sea of Galilee wasn't something unusual, it wasn't preferred, but it wasn't unusual for these fishermen. But it wasn't only fishermen in the boat, as these disciples. You also have, you have a, a what's called a zealot at this time. Um, it would be equivalent to a modern-day anarchist, because zealots at that time they wanted to overthrow the Roman occupation and uh, increase the Jewish-Israeli um, nationhood, and they were ready to do all kinds of crazy things um, to get rid of the oppressive Roman op, uh, uh, presence in their country. And so they were zealots. They were kind of like anarchists. You also have a tax collector in the midst of, it was one of the disciples is a tax collector. <laughs> if you think about that, he's gonna be socially anathema. Who likes a tax collector? He comes around with the the thug centurions, beats on your door and says, give me your taxes. And if you don't, then the thug centurions are gonna beat you up until you give him the taxes or find it, find the money to pay them off. I mean, nobody, nobody likes a tax collector, especially at this time and in this location in history. So you have fishermen, blue collar workers. You have a tax collector. Ugh, everybody hates that. The zealot who's like an, an anarchist. And then you have these other guys, we don't know their professions and they're all in a boat together. And they're all rowing to try to get to the other side of the Sea of Galilee at nighttime in a storm. That's the context, that's the community. And to bring to your attention, Jesus is not with them because we read in the preceding verses that he is up on a mountain praying by himself. And so these guys are in the boat, rowing, struggling, trying to make headway, and it's hard. They're tired. You think about it. They worked the preceding day, passing out food to more than 5,000 people. They worked all that day. They get in a boat. The sun goes down. They're rowing, and it's hard work because it's nighttime, they're already tired, and there's a storm that's opposing their efforts. And so I think they're kind of strung out. And it says it's about the third watch of the night which is sometime between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So this is this is a long arduous hardcore I mean this is a huge long day and they're stressed out they're stressed out because they're strung out from being tired. they that's a, a storm. Those storms can be super dangerous. And even fishermen who are experienced have been, have known the possibility of being upended and drowning in the Sea of Galilee from one of those horrible storms. And those storms come up. It's like a squall. It comes up unexpectedly. So this is stressful. Stressful on top of already drained and depleted from the energy of the previous day. So they're really uptight. And that's the context, that's who they're with in the boat and that's what's happening around them. And Jesus isn't there, which is a super bummer because he is Superman. He could fix everything, but he's doing that mountain solitude prayer thingy and we've got to figure out how to get to the other side. And sometimes I think we may feel that way in our walk with Christ, in our journey with Christianity. We may feel like we're working really hard. We're being faithful. We're being consistent. We're committed, but we're just not making any headway. It doesn't feel or seem like Jesus is anywhere. And we might feel stressed out. Everything's dark and opposing us and working against adversity, hardship, struggles. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I can get frustrated with Jesus. I'm like, where are you? This is a perfect opportunity for you to show up and do your Jesus thing. Come on. And uh, you might feel that way. I know sometimes I do go through seasons and experiences that are similar to this whole nighttime storm boat thing that's going on. Interestingly enough, though, it says that Jesus is walking on the water about 3 a.m. He starts walking on the water. One of the gospels says he's walking to the boat. One of the gospels says he's walking by them. (laughs) And this is what they do. They look and they see Jesus and read this. It's important. It says they're afraid. Well, why wouldn't they be? Because this isn't the standard normal experience. (laughs) You don't see anybody walking on the water, right? That's like unbelievable. It's impossible, let alone nighttime in a storm and they might be thinking we're dreaming. They even said, it's a ghost. And I wanna say this to you. I think sometimes our emotions can obscure who Jesus is to us. Think about that. They were afraid and they tried to figure out it can't really be Jesus. It's not genuine Jesus. It's gotta be a ghost because we're panicked. We're anxious, we're stressed out, we're tired, we're afraid. And what happens is when our emotions start to cloud and obscure and and really take over and, and frame our perspective, then sometimes we don't see Jesus for who he really is. I think it's really important to think about that because if you're in a season in your life where you're stressed out, you're afraid, all kinds of things are happening, you might not recognize Jesus you might not really know that he is there you might it's a ghost it's just kind of an illusion uh, you know it's not he's not really real that's what the disciples thought but i appreciate this because peter amongst the 12 he's the one that says lord if it's you command me to come and i love that about peter because this is what i think i think peter knew if it's genuine jesus he's always going to say come if it's a ghost Ghosts aren't going to say come, but Jesus is always dialed in because Jesus always wants us to be close to him, closer to him. He's always going to say, welcome, open arms, come on, let's go. No matter what's happening, nighttime, storm, boat, water, just come, just come. And so Peter says, if it's really you, that's kind of the test. If it's not you, the ghost says no. If it's you, you will consistently always say, come, full stop, no matter what's going on, come. And so Peter's like, sweet. And Jesus says, come on, let's go. So Peter gets out of the boat and he walks, starts walking to Jesus. I just encourage you that if you're going through a dark season, a stormy season, it's important that you don't push Jesus away or you don't let the emotions override who Jesus really is, but that you press in to walk closer with Jesus than any of the opposition or any of the emotions. So I just ask you to think about this question as we finish up. Um, If if you could think about an emotion that is most easily distorts Jesus for you, what emotion would that be? You're like, what does that mean? Well, some of us, grief is an emotion and an experience. And in that we can get a distorted perspective on Jesus. Some of us, anger. Anger is an emotion and that can distort who Jesus really is. We're angry. Some of us fear, panic, worry, anxiety. Some of us, you're like, well, these are all negative emotions. Is it possible that, that joy can distort Jesus or who Jesus really is? I don't know, but I'm asking you to answer that question. Leave it in the feedback, the comments. What is the emotion for you that has the most potential to distort genuine Jesus? Thank you so much for subscribing. Make sure you hit the notification bell right there. That'll keep you posted when we put up new content. And, woohoo, this is a really great joke. I'm going to read it verbatim. So, you know, take it for what it is. Uh, the joke is this I asked my wife if I was the only one she'd been with. And she said, yes, all the others had been nines and tens. <laughs> I was the only one. I think that's hilarious. Oh my gosh. Next week's going to be lots better. Thanks again. Hey there. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm super stoked to get time with you. And of course, I'd love for you to subscribe, share this with your friends, and really sense God working through you as well as in you in these words. So thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time.